My name is Natalie Bork. I was able to go to India for 10 weeks this summer. While I was there, I stayed with the Kumars who live in South India. Although I've been there twice before, this trip was a bit different. I think partly because of age, but mostly because of how long I was able to stay. Being there that long helped me to better understand the work that's going on there. I never realized how physically demanding it is to work in full-time ministry. But also, working at Grace Baptist Ministries for some, was something that made an impression on my life. Since I got to stay so long, I got to know and love the people who work there. Here's an excerpt of a letter that I wrote that gives an accurate description, at least what I believe, of the ministry. At least of what I observed while I was there. Today I finished up my Sunday school lesson for the children, then we get went to Grace Valley. Got to know the kids a little, little better, had great fellowship. I led a prayer meeting for the kids where we sang songs, read Mark 2, then prayed. After that, we ate dinner on the floor of the girls' dorm room. I've never seen such exuberance for the Lord in every kid like I did tonight. Before we ate, the younger kids nearly begged that we sing a hymn before we prayed, before we ate. I think I could characterize this entire ministry with one word, unity. The men I would characterize as thoroughly knowing the word, the women prayerful. It's been heart-touching. Another thing that really struck me, though, was the difficulty in finding good seminary professors. Pastor Kumar needed some professors for his seminary, so he held some interviews, which he actually let me watch. And these guys would come in with certificates in their hands saying, I have a THM, but they couldn't read Greek. He would ask them questions like, what did God say would happen if Adam, to Adam if he ate the fruit of, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And they wouldn't know. They had degrees, but no head knowledge, no grasp on theology. Pastor Kumar told me that the teaching in some of the other seminaries in South India is not accurate. They're not taught homiletics or proper theology, nor how to interpret the Bible. So Pastor Kumar is having a bit of a tough time finding any good professors to teach. But also, Pastor Kumar showed me most of his ministry, which stems out into different states. Weekly, we went to Kerala, the next state over, to do a Bible study where he taught systematic theology. We also went to Bateri, five and a half hours away from Coimbatore, where he has a church plant. Along with the church there, men who live too far away from Pastor Kumar are being trained to preach. But something else that I really appreciated was getting to know Pastor Kumar. He is very single-minded. Everything he seemed to do revolved around the ministry. But what really strikes me about him is how loving he is. Every day that we went to Grace Valley, before we left to go back home, he would make sure to say hello to every person, especially with the Grace Home Kids. He would make sure to show every one of them that he cared about them by looking them in the eye, giving each of them, even if it was just a little bit, but individual attention. Also, a sister of one of the uh, members got very sick. So twice we went 40 minutes to see how she was doing. We would also visit for hours with people in their houses. Overall, it was an exciting trip, but the most exciting part was to see the ministry, to see children were hearing the gospel, seminary students are being trained, churches are being planted.
we really do appreciate uh, uh, being asked to come here and do this. We, we get kind of excited um, about India and, and what the Lord is doing there. So it's always a blessing for us to even be able to share what is going on there from a, from a kind of a first-hand account. Um, as, as Pastor Brown mentioned, this was our family's third trip to India over the last nine or so years. And in one of the things we talk about as a family is really why go, but really the first question that maybe the answer would be why go three times, uh, let alone just once. And, and really it can be boiled down to um, the wow factor. The, the very first time we went, and by the way, I, sh- I should stress that just because I've been to India or we've been to India three times, I don't consider myself an expert in anything India. In fact, I think well, we've barely scratched the surface in knowing the people and the culture, but it has been a rewarding and blessed experience for us to be able to do that. But there is a little bit of a wow factor. The first time we went, it was, wow, this is India. Before I'd been to India, my foreign travel had consisted of Canada and Mexico, and those were vacations. Um, so there was a little bit of the wow factor. Wow, this is India. Wow, it is different, and, and it is different. It is a whole different culture. Um, by the, the second trip, that had worn off a little bit, and by our third trip, it really became, wow, look at what the Lord is doing and look at what is being accomplished for the Lord in the, uh, in the evangelizing of the lost and the maturing of disciples there in India. So, so the wow factor kind of changed over those three trips, and I suspect if, if the Lord allows us to go back even a fourth time that, that there will be even, even more of a change in that direction. We really, when we planned the first trip, the second trip and the third trip as a family, we talked about why we would go to India. And, and really it boils down to essentially three reasons. One, it's a learning experience. We, uh, we learn about mission fields firsthand. And I'm not a pastor, but I certainly belong to a church, as you all do, that supports missionaries and are encouraged rightfully to do so. Uh, and it is a learning experience. It's, it's a learning experience to see how the gospel is spread in a, in a foreign culture because it's different than it is here. It's an encouragement and a learning experience to see churches being planted and to meet with and talk with not only pastors and seminary professors there but, but believers that attend the church. So it is really the first reason we go is it's a learning experience. The second reason we go is to be an encouragement. And it's, it's not that difficult, really, to be an encouragement to people. I, I think of some of the activities we engaged in, which, which weren't monumental or, or spectacular. It, it can be nothing more than playing board games or a card game of Uno with, with the folks in the evenings. Or um, I remember one day watching Gloria, my wife, and Natalie teach about 11 children the game of baseball, which doesn't sound that strange, except they don't play baseball in India, they play cricket. So watching them try and learn to hit a ball that's being thrown in the air and and run bases and and learn the game of baseball was was pretty neat. And um, I know one one afternoon I spent some time with um, 
I think four or five, six or seven-year-olds out of Grace Children's Home. They were teaching me Tamil, which is the language they speak in Tamil Nadu in South India, and I was teaching them English. And, of course, they were laughing at the way I would pronounce the Tamil words because there's sounds there that I just can't get. And, and I would kind of chuckle at them as they were learning to pronounce words in English and different sounds. So it's just kind of everyday things to be an encouragement. But then really the third reason we go is to be encouraged. And it is a blessing to just be there and to meet believers, to fellowship with believers, to hear testimonies uh, of Indian believers and to watch pastors being trained and to see uh, seminary students work. Seminary is hard in any country, um, and I think particularly so in India, because you're talking about seminary. I was thinking about this. I, I barely know English, I think, sometimes. But you're talking about a group of young men who are being taught in English whose and English may be their third or fourth language. Each state in India has its own language. Hindi would be the national language, and, and English is spoken, but not real prevalently or in a real prevalent manner. So you're, you're talking about getting these sometimes difficult-to-understand theological truths in a language that is probably your third or fourth language. They're working hard. But those are really the three reasons why our family thought it was important enough to go, to, to learn, to be encouraged, and to be an encouragement. And, and we think that the Lord blessed all three of those reasons in terms of all three trips. In terms, I was trying to think of a way to um, summarize up the work that goes on in India, and um, I think Paul expressed it pretty well in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. I'd just like to read that very quickly and just kind of walk through and, and relate it to the work that goes on in India. But in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul writes, We proclaim him, talking about Christ, admonishing every man, teaching every man uh, with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. And, and that is a pretty decent summary of the work that I, I would guess goes on in any any biblically foundational work. But truly it does go on in India. Christ is being proclaimed to unbelievers. Um, even in South India, which the, the, the Hinduism is a little less radical, and I say a little less radical in Southern India than it is in Northern India, but still well over 90%, and I'd say probably 95, 96% of the people in Southern India are Hindu. Of the remaining 3 to 4%, that's the various forms of other faiths, uh, including Muslim. So uh, we can't even say that just 3 to 4% of people are, are Christian or even nominally Christian or of Protestant, because that would include all forms of Protestantism, Roman Catholic, as well as Islam. So very, very few people are not Hindu. So they are proclaiming Christ to the lost. And as we sit through church services and Bible studies and, and kind of Bible Institute-like classes, the admonishing and the teaching from God's Word is going on. 
But then really what hits home for me is verse 29, because Paul says that he's laboring and striving. Labor would be a word we're all familiar with. It's hard work. Uh, I know that I bring a Western kind of mentality to the day-by-day life in India. Um, But putting my kind of Western template over life in India, life in India is difficult. Travel is more difficult and more slow. Even preparing meals is more difficult and slow. Um, and, And dealing with Hinduism and Hindus, uh, a lot of times, uh, Hinduism really isn't, as I understand it, uh, a faith that encourages evangelism. You're kind of born into a Hindu family and you're Hindu. But while it doesn't really evangelize non-Hindus, neither is it always really tolerant of evangelism from other faiths, including Bible-believing Christianity, so that there is some persecution even in southern India. So they labor. It is hard work. And striving, Paul uses a word that has the idea of an opponent, striving against an opponent as in an athletic event. And that is just so clear in India that, that Satan and the world are the opponents. Um, it's difficult, really difficult, to go much more than a city block without seeing a Hindu temple or a Hindu shrine to one of their almost millions of different false gods. So there is an opponent that they strive against, and yet the promise of Scripture and what we have witnessed over our three trips is that it is the power of God that is working in those folks down there. We have seen the work progress, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I've got a a series of pictures that we put together uh, because a picture is worth a thousand words, and that will get us out on time. Um. One of the things to me that is most humbling and it's impressed on me is how thankful the folks in India are for us here in the States. Uh, And I know if you're able to read prayer letters from missionaries, that comes out quite often, and and as it does in Daniel's monthly prayer letter. Uh, But somehow it loses a little bit of the impact in print that that comes across face-to-face. And as I was thinking about this morning, I I really wish Daniel could be here or one of the pastors from India could be here so that it'd be a face-to-face conversation because they are so truly thankful for the prayer and the financial support um, that has allowed the gospel to progress. And that is, is both a cause to be humbly thankful to the Lord and to praise him for churches like Community Baptist Church and the others who have been so faithful in their support, both financial and prayer. Um, and it's it's almost everyone you talk to, from, from Daniel, who would be the pastor of Grace Baptist and the president of the, the, the seminary there, to the pastors, to the seminary students, to the church members we're able to talk with. They know they're supporting churches. They know your pastor. They're praying for Community Baptist Church. So it's really one of the learning experiences is to hear that we pray for them in India and they're praying for us here in the United States. And it really, truly hits home that we really are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is just a cause for thanksgiving. And and again, I, I just wish that Daniel, who hasn't been here in a while, but I wish you could hear 
face-to-face how truly thankful they really are for the faithful support. It means an awful lot to them. And not just the financial support, by the way, but the praying for them. Um, Just to give a brief summary and then launch into some some photographs uh, of what we did this time in India, or at least the folks and the work going on there, um, just I thought it might be helpful for those who haven't heard or, or be a reminder for those who have of the various aspects of the work that is going on in, in Tamil Nadu or South India. Daniel Kumar and his family live in Tamil Nadu, which is one of the very southern states in India. Um, Daniel, and I'll mention this again when we see a, a slide of him, but Daniel actually came to Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary back in the 90s, I think, early 90s, uh, and graduated and then went home to start a seminary and plant churches. But there is church planting going on in southern India. Right now there are six different church plants in six areas, uh, pastored by men who have graduated from Grace Baptist Theological Seminary in south India. There are weekly remote Bible studies going on uh, and more Bible Institute-type classes where... where um, Actually, the ones we went to were not attended by the church members of that church. It was attended by people from the neighborhood and pastors of other denominations who are coming to be trained in fundamentalist-type baptistic training, which was kind of exciting to see. Uh, There's a seminary, and uh, this semester there are 18 students being trained. and the seminary actually offers a Bachelor of Theology along with a Master of Divinity. And in addition to that, uh, sort of new, at least within the last few years, is Grace Children's Home. And uh, Grace Baptist Ministry of India Trust, GBMIT, is a nonprofit organization in India. And one of the requirements of the Indian government to maintain your exempt or not-for-profit status is that you do some kind of social work. Uh, So what Daniel has chosen to do is start a home for children. And at present, there are about 18 children there, um, ranging in age from roughly five or six to, to... I'm getting hints from my daughter. Was that 12 or 13? 15? 15. Um, Most of them are on the younger side of that. And uh, the boys and girls, it's mostly girls, but a few boys, live in dormitories, go to school, and then are being uh, taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, where, where they ordinarily may not have been. So here we have, we can see um, how God is in control. Uh, the children's home was started because of a Hindu government regulation, and yet here we have 18 children hearing the gospel where they might not have otherwise, which is a pretty neat thing. So having said that, what I'll do, what I'd like to do, just so you can put some faces and pictures with what you may hear about just from what little I'm going to say today or or the monthly prayer later, I think the pictures would help. And so we'll just walk through them and, and have some commentary. The, the first slide is a picture of the buildings at Grace Valley. And again, when I think about why go three times, 
our first trip, Grace Baptist Ministry of India Trust, GBMIT, was really something of an itinerant ministry. They had really no permanent place, and, and ultimately what would happen is Hindus were readily welcoming anybody who would pay rent for a building because it was money. Uh, but what would eventually happen is the churches would, which take place in someone's house, a pastor's house, would run into trouble with the neighbors and they would have to move. And so you didn't have one solid spot. That was our first trip. The second trip, the land you see had been purchased, but there were no buildings on it. So it was still, the building was just starting when we were there five years ago. In the intervening five years, because of faithful support from from here in the U.S., actually the buildings have gone up. And there is a church, um, the bigger square in the back, the, the whitest top building is the church sanctuary. The rest of that kind of squared off horseshoe are seminary classrooms, library and professor's offices, and a welcome center. The little square building, kind of closer in the foreground, is actually the dormitory for the seminary students, which is um, much nicer than what the seminary students had before. The name of the name of the area named by Daniel Kumar is Grace Valley, and it truly is a valley. Um, there are mountains on three sides of the property, and it really, God has just provided a beautiful piece of property. Uh, this was a picture taken from, I'm, I'm calling it a mountain. If we were from Colorado, these would be hills, but because we're from Michigan, they're mountains. But um, they're, they're probably three to 4,000 feet high on three sides of it, and it just is a beautiful piece of property that God has provided. It is a little ways out from the villages, which means that there is minimal contact with close-by neighbors, which means the Hindus aren't as easily offended. That just gives another picture of the, uh, of the property. The property is actually farmed, but it's not self-supporting. Uh, they actually have to buy vegetables. Uh, every once in a while, meat is provided for the students. But um, it is somewhat self-sustaining. They actually have five, they call them buffalo. I would call them water buffalo or water oxen. But um, they have some buffalo that provide milk. They do grow some vegetables, although it's tough because wild boar come out of the mountains and, and eat all the vegetables. So it's been hard to, hard to keep it. But they do have some sustainability. They grow a, a India being a southern climate lot of fruits, coconuts, mangoes, uh, and all kinds of fruit that are grown on the property. This is Daniel Kumar. I uh, gave a little bit of an introduction to him, but he actually came to the seminary back in the 90s, Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, graduated and went back to start a seminary and church planting and has been really faithfully serving for well over 15 years now. And just to give you uh, an idea of, of his family, Rosama is his wife, very godly woman, and a great, great hostess. I mean, we are when we go, we are well taken care of. The hospitality is truly amazing there. On the right is Daniel's oldest daughter, Marin. She actually works in the city of Coimbatore, 
a city, Daniel's about a half an hour outside of this city. It's a city that's used to be a little bit bigger than Detroit. I think it's probably actually quite a bit bigger than Detroit now. But just to give you an idea of size, she works actually teaching English to uh, folks who probably take our call when we call into service centers. Um, that with the guitar is Daniel's oldest son, Dan. He's actually going for a business degree in college, wants to attend seminary, and we're starting to get, they are starting to get second generation students, which I'll talk about in just a moment, which is kind of exciting for us to see. Um, but he's going to, to school to get a business degree. He actually helps out with the accounting for the ministry and is a huge help with that. This is Silu, their second daughter. Uh, she's 10 or 11, and just a really nice, nice young lady. And the newest addition to the family is David. He's adopted and was actually adopted out of a fairly tough situation. He uh, turned three recently, was about two and a half when we were there, turned three recently. He is uh, a ball of fire, as most three-year-olds are but a really great addition to their family. I want to stay here for just a minute, because as a non-pastor, I appreciate people who work full-time, and I appreciate pastors also. I shouldn't draw too much of a distinction there. This is Joseph. He is the driver for the ministry, and he is just a very faithful, faithful man in working. Um, the roads in India, I won't dwell too long on them, but roads in India are not like roads in America. Uh, there's no end lines. There's You pass whenever you want. You're avoiding pedestrians. You're avoiding animals. You're avoiding buses. You're avoiding, hopefully, everything. And he is just a great driver. Uh, I wouldn't attempt to drive in India. And he does it for a living and a hard, hard worker. Uh, a lot of times for some of these remote Bible studies, he's driving through the night after having been up all day. He's driving through the night to get Daniel or one of the other pastors to the Bible study and uh, is just incredibly faithful. He is literally available 24-7 for the ministry. He drives the children from Grace Children's Home to school. He picks up children on Sundays and Wednesdays for the midweek service. Just a very faithful man and has been with Daniel for about 10 years. Some of the other workers, uh, the man in the center there is Rajan. He is actually the cook for Grace Children's Home and the seminary. And food preparation in India, uh, I don't prepare much food here, but it looks like it goes a lot easier here than it does in India. Um, some of the cooking is done over an open fire. Some of it, most of the rest of it is done with propane heaters. There's not a whole lot of stoves or microwaves or baking ovens there. So food preparation takes a long time. He's preparing food for 18 to 36 folks and, and does a great job of it. These ladies are some of the workers that help out with the children. Again, very faithful workers. So it's not just Daniel or just the pastors, but there's a whole whole host of people that help out with the ministry. And as you might imagine, I, I was trying to remember how many acres the property is. It's fairly large, and I'm forgetting. 
But there's a lot of work for those of us who take care of our small lawns in suburban Detroit. This is a lot of work, and it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of dedicated and hardworking folks to do. One of the great things in India is the hospitality, and, and they're not giving out of great abundance. But we are so well taken care of. It, the, the food, there's almost too much food, and it's always very good. And they're, you might know that Indians generally like spicy food. They're very careful with us in our American stomachs. So they're very careful with us. But the hospitality has always been very much in keeping with the biblical example, and we appreciate that because it is hard work. Uh, it's hard work taking care of Indians for food. I, I suspect when Westerners show up, it's even harder work. This is uh, a group, a smaller group of the children, with the, which I assume because those are mostly girls, is the girls' dormitory in the back on Grace Valley. This was um, actually one of the neat things about this trip. The other two trips we'd been in November, and the seminary was in class, so we really didn't get a chance to spend much time with the seminary students because they almost literally are in class all day and studying all night. So the conversations are kind of brief. Here we got to spend a day with them kind of hiking around Grace Valley. Um, the guy in the center there is actually one of the new instructors at the, school, at the school for the Bachelor of Divinity class. He just graduated from the seminary last May and had agreed to stay on and help out Daniel because of some of the difficulty of finding qualified teachers. But it was a real blessing to spend some time with these young men. Um, you know, one of the three reasons we go is to be encouraged, and it's encouraging and a blessing to be able to talk to them and, and get to know them as people, not just as seminary students, to hear a little bit about their testimony, how they came to know the Lord, to hear about their families and where they're from, because some of them are, are from quite far away. Uh, you know, some of them are from one or two hills over, but some of them are from quite far away. And it was a blessing to be able to spend a little bit of time with them and get to know them a little bit. Uh, one of the churches is Grace Baptist Church at Grace Valley, of which Daniel is the pastor. Uh, it has a really good and, and apparently effective outreach into the area. We were able to meet, we'll see pictures of a couple of the folks from the area here. Um, it's mostly for people at Grace Valley, seminary students, but there are a good number of folks they've been able to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's Dan sitting right in front of the window at the keyboard. He, in addition to being a business student and helping out with the accounting, he also is able to handle the music uh, for the church services. And one of the interesting things about a church in India, women are always on the left, men are always on the right, children are always right in front. And it doesn't vary. Uh, so even uh, married couples, women over here, men over here, children in the front. And it's like that in every single church. And you can see some of the women will put a head covering on. Again, just one of the differences culturally between America and here. One of the, one of the really neat things is um, the songs they sing, a lot of the music is the same of the hymns we sing here at Inner City. 
only they're being sung in Tamil. So I'm singing them. Gloria, Natalie, Stephanie, and Natalie, or Melissa, when they came, are singing these hymns in English. Everyone else is singing it in Tamil, and yet we're all singing it to a God who understands it all. I want to stay at this picture for a little bit, too, because this will give us an opportunity to praise God for his work of salvation in lives, but it's also going to point out a little bit of the difference culturally between America and, and uh, India. The man in the picture's name is Mohan. He was unsaved. He is the caretaker of a six-acre farm right down the street from Grace, Grace Valley, the, the church and the seminary. He would actually, though, uh, on the farm grow vegetables and would deliver the vegetables to Grace Valley for the seminary and Grace Children's Home. Unsaved, but he would hear the hymns being sung and got interested in the hymns and started asking questions. After a while, he was invited and accepted the invitation to come to the services and after about two months, accepted the Lord as Savior. He was a single man when he got saved. So, in India, it is not unusual at all to have arranged marriages. In fact, I I suspect that most marriages are, are at some level arranged in India. So, Young man gets saved and is starting to look for a wife. The folks at Grace Valley decided to help. <laughs> the woman is the, a relative of one of the folks at Grace Valley, and so they arranged for these two to get married. She was already a believer. Here's where the interesting cultural thing comes in. Not so much that the marriage was arranged, but I mentioned a little bit ago that Each state in India, virtually each state, has its own language, and it's entirely different from the language that's spoken even in a state right next to it. So Mohan, the man, comes from Tamil Nadu and spoke Tamil only. Minnie, the woman, came from the next state over, Kerala, and spoke only Malayalam, so that not only was their marriage arranged, they couldn't even talk to each other. But we met them about 18 months after they were married. He's speaking Malayalam, she's speaking Tamil, and they have a brand new baby daughter. (laughs) So it worked. But just one of the interesting cultural differences between India and America. The man on the left is Pastor Cherian. He is a pastor of a church in Bateri, which is in Kerala, the next state over. He's been with Daniel about 10 years now, faithfully serving at a local church. Uh, In fact, he's even started, we'll see a picture in a little bit, training a couple of other men who have expressed an interest in getting involved in full-time ministry. So he is one one of the stalwarts there in terms of a pastorate. He's been faithfully serving in Bateri. Um, In fact, the church meets in his house, which is not that unusual in India. Uh, Still a lot of house churches, simply because the buildings are so expensive to build. This is a group, well, the man on the right, the young man on the right is actually a seminary student. Um, The man standing second from the left is George Cootie. The man in the purple shirt is VM George. Daniel's on the far end. But those two men are pastors that we had met before, and they actually serve 
fairly far out, about nine or ten hours from where Daniel lives, they actually came in for a meeting and then to meet us because we had met them before. But again, a couple of pastors that are faithfully serving in the church plants. Um, Just not to stress the hardness of life in India because I don't want to implant my Western things of standard of living, but when we met George Cootie, the, the, the second from the left there, he lived in a house with his wife and family, no running water, no electricity, and, and had the house in his church and still continued to faithfully serve. Um, I think now, if I understood him correctly, uh, they do have electricity now at least, but his wife to cook would go out, draw up water from a well, cook over an open fire because there was no stove, because there was no electricity. And, uh, and that's how he was serving. That's uh, Daniel and Rosama, but the, man's, the young man standing just to the left of Daniel, this is one of the, kind of one of the exciting things. For the first time in the seminary, there are two second-generation seminary students. In other words, sons of men who have graduated from Grace Baptist Theological Seminary are now attending the seminary. And so that's kind of neat to see as the seminary gets a little bit of longevity to it. This is one of the men that Pastor Cherian is working with. His name is Thomas. He lives in Bateri, which is in Kerala, a state right next to Tamil Nadu. He has expressed an interest in entering full-time service. Um, and so Pastor Cherian has agreed to work with and train this man to see if he is, frankly, suited for the ministry. There's Daniel and Rosama with Pastor Cherian. Uh, the church in Bateri, which is also in Kerala, uh, the church in Bateri actually owns land on which they'd like to build a church building. Right now, the church meets in Pastor Cherian's home. And with a church building, there'd be a little bit more room for some growth. The, the man in the foreground is Saji. And it is just exciting for us to be able to talk with this young man. Uh, he has been with Daniel since day one, and he's what I call Daniel's right-hand man. Daniel counts on him very heavily uh, to, for assistance, for guidance, for just talking and bouncing ideas off of. He is really one of the key people that God has put in place there, and just an incredibly bright young man, very, uh, very well-spoken in about three or four different languages, um, and a very godly man. It's been a pleasure to get to know him just a little bit. And that is his wife and one of their daughters. His wife's name is Fleissy, and I think that's Nora. The man standing in the doorway is another one of the solid pastors. Uh, That's Pastor Babu. He's been serving in Vatikancheri, which is about a a two-and-a-half-hour drive away from where Daniel lives. Uh, And he's been serving for about seven or eight years. Uh, He has a church. This is his house, but it's also the church. And actually, every Saturday, Daniel and Saji travel to uh, Vatican Cherry to teach what might be called a Bible Institute class. This is the one where 
where very few people from the church attend this, but folks from the neighborhood attend. I was able to meet uh, a man who'd been faithfully attending, but he actually is a Roman Catholic. And most of the rest of the people that attend are pastors of other denominations that are coming for training. So, for example, um, because the teaching is in Malayalam, I didn't understand a word of it, but I was told that Daniel was teaching a course on the doctrine of angels or angelology, and Saji was teaching a course to these pastors on philosophy of church ministry. So there's some real solid training even for, for pastors of other churches, and hopefully that will work to the glory of God and bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is not an untypical Indian kitchen, or if I could express it positively, this is a typical Indian kitchen. That's Pastor Babu's wife. She prepares lunch for probably 12 to 15 people every Saturday, and that's about the size of the kitchen that she works in. And, um, you know, not a lot of high-tech food preparation going on here. It's difficult work, but she is faithfully doing that every week for people. And this is, actually, this is a special picture for my wife, whose name is Gloria. These are Pastor Babu's two daughters. The one in the back is Blessy, but the one sitting next to my wife, Gloria, her name is Gloria. So they had a little bit of a connection there. Um, one, of the, one of the neat things for us to have seen was the way the work has progressed. And I, when we were there the second time, none of the buildings were there. Uh, and it was just a real blessing to see how God had provided the financial resources to put up what really are beautiful buildings. We didn't really get any close-up views, but the workmanship on the buildings is just really beautiful. It's gorgeous. And to see how God has provided, but, but even beyond um, cement and paint and roofing, uh, which are our visible manifestations of God's working there, to just be able to renew acquaintances with folks that we had met on the previous two trips and to see how God is working. And really, the gospel is being proclaimed. Men are being trained for ministry. Churches are being planted. It is just terrifically exciting what is going on in India. And just speaking as, as a, a layperson, I'm excited that your pastor is going to be able to go there um, I know Pastor Doran, when he comes back from overseas trips, he's always, I, I want to be very clear, he's always a great preacher. But he is on fire when he comes back from missions trips, and I am certain that will happen with your pastor too. We really appreciate the opportunity of being able to share the testimonies because it's a blessing for us to be able to share with folks of what's going on in India. Thank you.